Hey, so this morning we had, last Sunday, we had Steve Graham here who brought a great message talking about politics and the kingdom of God. And this morning we're going to kind of do part two. Well, it's not really connected. It's just the second week talking about politics and the kingdom of God. And, uh, and, and the, the heart behind it is really with the general election coming up in about a month's time or less, uh, we thought, why not spend some time thinking about this? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to think about the political world in which we live from a biblical uh, Christian worldview? What does that mean? What does that look like? And so this morning, we're going to dive in uh, to this morning a little bit. And we're going to look at uh, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' words in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 27. So I'd encourage you, open up your Bibles with me. We're going to Luke, chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 27. Excuse me while I just adjust this a little bit. All right, Luke, chapter 6, starting in verse 27. Jesus says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, in our text this morning, we find Jesus preaching what we'll come to know as the Sermon on the Plain. You thought I was going to say something different there, didn't you? The Sermon on the Plain. See, in the, in the Gospels, the first few chapters, the early chapters of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, are focused on the early ministry of Jesus. And what we find in those, in those first early chapters, the first half of the Gospels, is the healing and teaching ministry of Jesus as He travels throughout Galilee. And today we're going to look at the core of Jesus' kingdom message, what I'm going to call the politics of heaven. The politics of heaven. See, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus' earliest ministry is characterized by healing, by proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God, or if you're reading in Matthew, often it's referred to as the kingdom of heaven, the coming of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is healing the sick, He's casting out demons, and He's announcing, hey, the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's coming, it's breaking in. But in the first few chapters, it doesn't really, the Gospel writers don't really tell us exactly what it is that Jesus is saying. We don't get the contents of His teaching until we get to this Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain. See, in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount is is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. That's where we get the Sermon on the Mount. And what we're told is that what Jesus did was He took His disciples, that is, the 12 that He had spent the night praying and discerning and then selecting, and He took them up on a mountain uh, and gives them what we find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And then he comes down the mountain and again 
gives this same teaching, really, in Luke, and uh, what we have in Luke chapter 6. He comes down the mountain onto the plain below, alongside the Sea of Galilee, and, and He gives a more succinct version, uh, so to speak, of the same sermon, but this time it's given to the multitudes. And this is what we find in Luke chapter 6. It's become known as the Sermon on the Plain. And with this sermon, I think, Jesus sets forth what I'm calling the politics of heaven. Now, of course, Maybe you're looking over your shoulder and you're going, oh, where's the door and how quickly can I access it? Because the word politics makes us nervous, right? It kind of puts us on edge a little bit and for good reason. Because in the best of times, politics can be contentious and divisive and sadly, I'm not so sure we actually live in the best of times. In the worst of times, In more troubled times, politics can be toxic and corrupt, dangerous, even deadly. Currently in New Zealand and in many places around the world, the level of political acrimony and sectarian hate is dangerously high. So the anxiety that can occur when the topic of politics comes up is understandable. We often think division in politics and all of that hate, that's that's a North American problem. That's That's for America to deal with, right? No, 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 no. Just rewind a couple of years and remember what was going on outside of our parliament building. It's here too, friends. We may want to avoid politics altogether. We can try. We can can maybe avoid the topic, but we can't avoid the consequences. We live in a political world. We can ignore the political process, but we can't ignore its reality. We live in a political world. The one that we can feel and see, it's all a stacked deck, right? There's no one, this is a real world in which we live. So politics, when we're talking about politics, let's be clear in terms of what we're talking about. So a simple definition of what I'm talking about when it comes to politics is this. Politics is the organized attempt to attend to the affairs of the polis. That's where the word actually comes from, polis, meaning city or society in which we live. It's the organized attempt to attend to the affairs of the city or the society in which we live. So here's the thing, we have to live together. We do. It's, it's how we are as humans. It's, as civilization advances, we are more and more dependent on one another. I mean, you, you know, you're not going to go out there and, you know, go off grid up in the mountains somewhere, you know, and, and, and go hunter-gatherer, you know, for, for the rest of your life, living in deer skins and stuff like that, right? I mean, you're not going to do that. You're not going to live in a cave. I mean, you're not going to do that. I mean, you probably wouldn't even know how. I know, at least I wouldn't know how, Uh, right? I mean, uh, and so we have to figure out as humans, how are we going to live together, right? And that's the question, really, that politics attempts to answer. We have to cooperate. We have to live together. We have to figure out how to share resources and all that sort of things. And politics is just trying to answer this question. At at its best, politics is the good faith attempt to achieve the common good, what one commentator calls equitable beneficence. I keep waiting for some political party to make that their campaign slogan. Equitable beneficence, wouldn't that be great, you know? Uh, where, where equitable beneficence is all about, we want to do the, try and move towards, the, towards equality and, and as much goodness for the, the majority, as many as possible, right? That's politics at its best. At its worst, politics is a means of domination or enforced inequality. Enforced inequality. And this really is the story of Israel 
in Egypt in the Old Testament, which is so foundational to the big, broad, wide, and long salvation story that Joseph ends up in Egypt originally as a slave and then finally as the viceroy, the second in charge of everything. It's quite this, it's this remarkable story found at the end of Genesis, um, way back at the beginning of the Bible. And, and that was all part of how to preserve the line of Abraham, the people of God all the way back, this family of Israel. See, during the famine, they all relocated down to Egypt and they were there for 430 years. But pretty quickly, things began to go badly for them and they became cheap labor for the empire of Egypt. They became the slaves of the omnipotent and almighty Pharaoh, and uh, they're, they're building his storied cities, and they're baking the bricks, and you know, all, all, that, all that story. And life is hard, life is miserable for them, and so, uh, I mean, they're walking non-stop, sun up to sundown, no days off, no, no, non-stop, right? They're oppressed, and they're groaning under their oppression, they're groaning under their yoke, and God hears their cries, God hears their groaning, and He says, I'm going to deliver them. And this is the story of Moses, where Moses comes and, uh, uh, and the exodus and through the Red Sea and the journey to the land of promise. And Egypt under Pharaoh would be an example of politics at its worst. Benefit a few, oppress the many. So there is what we'll call the politics of earth. This is humans, though sinful, nevertheless attempting to organize society in a way that at least aspires to justice, right? Now, it's easy to be cynical. I get it. I get it. It's easy to be real cynical, when it, when, entirely cynical when it comes to politics. But the truth is, friends, there are noble-minded women and men who really do seek the common good. There are. I know this because I know some of them. When I was growing up, we lived in a small town in Queensland where we had close family friends. And, and our close family friend, a guy named Chris, got into local politics, became a councillor, and then eventually became a Minister of Parliament, became an MP in the Australian government. And he was a noble-minded person, genuinely seeking the good for everyone. He was well-liked, he was respected, he was even-handed and really fair. And one of our, one of our um, good friends who was similar age, he was like my brother's age, actually be, went on his staff and became his PA. And he's now continued to follow in his footsteps and now works in local government as well. Noble-minded, good people, seeking the good of, of, of everyone, all right? So there are noble-minded women and men who really do seek the common good. But here's the thing. The politics of earth will never be utopian or perfect. It just won't. The politics of earth will always just oscillate somewhere between better and worse. Sometimes better, sometimes it's worse, it's never perfect, right? Then there's what we'll call the politics of hell. Look out. The politics of hell is when the principalities and the powers are given over to the satanic, by which I mean the politics of hell manifests when it's only and always about power. The common good is no longer the motivation, it's no longer the pursuit, it's all about attaining and retaining power. And when power becomes the sole object of political pursuit, justice is trampled underfoot. 
This is the kind of thing that the Hebrew prophets in the Old Testament just went on and on and on and on about over and over again, right? The Hebrew prophets, one of their primary messages was, hey, you kings, you people in places of power and authority and influence, hey, you kings, you know, you've got to do justice. You can't just look after your own interests. You've got to look after the interests of everyone. You've got to attempt to do good. And so, the politics of hell is when that is forgotten and it becomes all about power. When politics is all about power, it becomes like the ring of power that corrupts all who control it, like turning Smeagol into Gollum. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and one in the darkness bind them. You remember that? So, the politics of earth is our flawed and feeble attempt at order and justice. It's never perfect, it always just oscillates between better and worse. The politics of hell is Satan ruling the world through those corrupted by power. And that brings tremendous suffering and pain to the vast majority that live in that kind of a system. But what about the politics of heaven? We've had the politics of earth, remember? Good faith attempt to achieve justice, never perfect, oscillating between better and worse. We've had the politics of hell, when it becomes just all about having power and it brings suffering as the few dominate the many. What about the politics of heaven? Well, first of all, if you're taking notes, you want to jot this down. The politics of heaven cannot originate on earth. I mean, that sounds really basic, right? You're like, oh, yeah, okay, good one, Clint. The politics of heaven can't begin on earth. Why? Because as the prophet Isaiah tells us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Heaven is far above us. Not, not in some geographical sense or locationary sense, but in a conceptual sense. It's way above us. Left to ourselves, we will never think like heaven, is what the prophet's telling us. It will not enter our mind to think as heaven does, right? And we're that far removed from heaven. So here's the truth. The politics of heaven are not going to originate in the mind of Plato or Aristotle or Alexander Hamilton, if you've seen the musical, you know, or or William Wilberforce or Henry Williams or it just won't, whoever you're favorite kind of politician or political leader is, you won't find the politics of heaven in Plato's Republic or in the Treaty of Waitangi. If the politics of heaven are to come to earth, someone will have to bring them from heaven to earth for us. And of course, this is Jesus Christ, right? This is the Son of God who came to earth to be with us as one of us, As Jesus' ideas are the mind of God in perfection, He's not, Jesus isn't just getting some kind of vague outline and catching the vibe of what God the Father's on about and then just kind of riffing on it while He's down here on earth. That's not what Jesus is doing, no. Jesus is the human manifestation of the thoughts, the thinking, and the will of God. And what does Jesus say about His teaching? He tells us in John chapter 7, he says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of of God 
will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. You catch what he's saying there in verse 17? I mean, here's what he's saying in verse 17, essentially is like, we cannot just sit back and evaluate the teaching of Jesus with some cool and objective detachment. We can't sit back and read a little bit of Jesus, you know, read a little bit of Plato, read a little bit of Aristotle, read a little bit of Henry Williams, read a little Alexander Hamilton, Wilberforce, whoever you want to, you know, and whoever's, you know, political theory you find most compelling. We can't just sit back and go, oh, who makes the most sense? Who do we like the most? Blah, blah, blah. We'll never actually know by doing that. We'll never actually know if what Jesus says is true and real, is from heaven or not. The only way to know if what Jesus says is from heaven, this is risky, you see it in verse 17? The only way to know is to take a bold and decisive leap and begin to live it. This is fundamental, not just for talk around politics, this is fundamental for talk around discipleship, friends. You can't just sit and think about it. You'll never know. Does this work? Is this the way? You'll never know by thinking about it. You have to say, I'm going for it. I'm going to at least to attempt to live the way that Jesus calls me to live. And then, Jesus says, then you'll know whether his teaching is from heaven or whether he just made this stuff up. Are you with me? So what is Jesus' teaching? The teaching of the kingdom of heaven, the teaching of the politics of heaven, it makes its first and fullest appearance in the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. And I've been meditating on the Sermon on the Plain over the last, uh, the last week or so, and I, can, I think I can give a pretty fair summary of Jesus' teaching, of what Jesus calls us to uh, in the Sermon on what I'm calling the politics of heaven. I think I can give uh, a pretty good summary in 40 words. Here's what Jesus says. This is what I would call the politics of heaven in 40 words from Jesus. Love your enemies. Do, uh, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Friends, that's not from Plato. That's not from Aristotle. That's not from Henry Williams or Hamilton or Wilberforce. That's Jesus. Jesus, God himself comes down from heaven. He comes down to us. And remember, we, in our own efforts, we bounce back and forth at the best of times, you know, between perfect, never utopian politics of earth, all too often the politics of hell. And Jesus brings us something else, something from heaven. He comes down among us and he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Why don't you say that with me? Let's say it together, shall we? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Forty words. Who counted them? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I knew there'd be someone, right? Forty words that come from Jesus, right? Forty words that I think are the essence of the politics of heaven. 
Plato, Aristotle, Hamilton, Williams, Marx, Mao could never have said anything like that. Their politics, for good or ill, are the politics of earth, and at times, the politics of hell. It is the one who comes from heaven who alone can give us the politics of heaven. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. And at the heart of the politics of heaven is Jesus' words to love your enemies. You see that? He says it twice. And that's just not in my summary. It's in my summary because Jesus said it twice in Luke chapter 6. He says it twice. To love your enemies is to do good to them, to bless them, to turn away from violence, to treat them as you would want to be treated, to give them not retaliation but mercy. Love your enemies. The politics of heaven, though, now stick with me, you know, the politics of heaven doesn't give us quite the particular politics for earth, does it? I mean, I think my summary is pretty fair and, and, and pretty, pretty good, but here, here we are, l- l- like, let's, just, let's just talk about this nation for now, you know? Here in Aotearoa, this nation of some five million people, and if I say, okay, this is going to be the laws of the land, people. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. If that becomes the law of the land, and we say, okay, that's cool, Clint, but um, I think we're going to need a little bit more detail, right? Like, Clint, does that mean it's okay for me to drive at like 120 or 130 kilometers per hour down that nice strip of motorway to Rolleston or not? Right? We need a little bit more detail. We need a little bit more specificity, right? Uh, I mean, the, the, the truth is, it may, it may inform things, this politics of heaven. It might inform things, But the truth is, there's just a whole lot that we have to work out and think through and wrestle with and figure out how we're going to live together politically as best we can. So here's what it means, friends. Here's what that means. You are free to embrace whatever politics of earth seem best to you. But, and this is a big but, the politics of heaven must hold precedence over your politics of earth. That's the big but. The politics of heaven must hold precedence over your politics of earth. In other words, you can hold to whatever particular political theory or political ideas you want. You know, I think New Zealand would be best run like this. Okay, I'm not going to try and talk you out of that. That's fine. You know, you can hold on to that, dear sister and dear brother, as long as you love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Turn the other cheek as long as you do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. See, that's the caveat. That's the thing that's got to hang, that holds precedence. That's the thing that makes you an actual follower of Jesus. Once you confess Jesus as Lord, this is, I mean, how do we say it? This is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. You can't say, Jesus is Lord, but nah, I'm not going to love my enemy. I mean, Clint, come on, Clint, do you know them? There's no way I'm going to do that. Who would even do that? No one would do that, right? That's where, okay, let's just keep it a little bit light. We're getting, we're getting a bit heavy now, right? That's where Jesus might say things to you like, okay, well, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? 
I don't think you're understanding the Lord part of this statement, Jesus might say. See, here's the thing, if you allow the politics of earth to push aside your politics of heaven, your politics of earth will become the politics of hell. If you allow the politics of earth to push aside the politics of heaven, your politics of earth will become the politics of hell, which what that means is you'll end up bowing down to the devil. You'll bow down to the devil, and I don't want you to do that. So you can hold to your politics of earth, you can have your opinions and preferences, and, and, and you know, if we took the time, and believe me, I'm not going to do this, we're not going to do this, right? But if we did take the time to say, okay, friends, tell me, what is your political, preferred p- political situation for New Zealand? You know, what would you like? Even in this room, as church Fano together, we would not agree. We wouldn't. There's no way. Like some, some people would agree and be like, oh, well, I, no, I kind of like what he's saying, and I'm going to line up over here on the right with, with him, you know? And others would be like, well, no, 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 I like what she's saying, so I'm going to go join her over here, and they'd line up on the, on the left side of the building, right? And we'd have these people kind of lined up left and right and, and all their different ideas, and, and what I'm wanting to say to those of you who, whichever side you've lined up on, to the right or to the left, you know, fine, you can line up on either side, whatever, whatever you want, as long as you... Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your father is merciful. As long as you do that, then you can hold to your politics of earth. But if you say, no, I can't love them because they're a liberal, they're a conservative, I can't love them. They're a labor voter or a national voter or a green or act or whoever you want to insert there. I can't love them. Then, friends, your politics of earth will degenerate into the politics of hell as you bow down to the devil. Remember, we often look offshore and go, man, I'm so glad our political situation isn't as bad here as it is elsewhere, right? I'm not sure it's really healthy, though, either, are you? Because in our current political climate of divisiveness, verging on violence, which we saw, we must remember this. The degree to which Christians advocate violence as a legitimate means to a political end is the degree to which they have forsaken the way of Jesus and bowed down to the devil. Let me say that again. In our current political climate of divisiveness, verging on violence, we must remember this. The degree to which Christians advocate violence as a legitimate means to a political end is the degree to which they have forsaken the way of Jesus and bowed down to the devil. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. See, here's the thing, friends. Jesus calls us to this way of love and mercy and kindness, not because it's some superior ethic, though it is, but because it's what God is like. I want you to hear this. Jesus doesn't call us to this way of love and mercy and kindness because it's a superior ethic. I really think it is, but it's actually because Jesus calls us to this way because that's what God is like. 
That's why he does it. And Jesus is just trying to call us back into our imago Dei, our image of God reflecting the image and glory of God within creation. That's the vocation that he's created and calling us all to live into. That's why he calls us to live this. That's why he says, listen, Jesus says, love your enemies and you'll be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He's kind to the wicked. That's what he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. It's what, it's what Jesus says. Again, you will not know whether Jesus' teaching comes from heaven by sitting back dispassionately with some cool objectivity, just thinking about it. You have to try and live it, or you'll never know. Jesus says, love your enemies, and you'll be children of the Most High. For He, God the Father, is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. So be merciful as your Father is merciful. The Sermon on the Plain, down towards the end there, we see Jesus ends with this admonition in verse verse 36. He says, um, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Well, that's kind of Luke's parallel of what Matthew has in Matthew 5, verse 48, where it says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I say to you, all right, there's a sermon. That'd be a good one, right? Like, be perfect. Be perfect. As your father is perfect, and you're like, oh, hang on a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that. You know, I mean, I mean come. so let's understand that perfection here is a perfection toward mercy. I mean, how many, how many of you would think that perfection is a good description of your life here and now today? Anyone? Anyone? No, me neither, right? All right, then Jesus would say, be merciful. Be merciful. It's a perfection toward mercy. If I can't be perfect, so I'll be merciful because that's, that's the kind of perfection that Jesus is focusing on, right? He's saying the Father is perfect in mercy and we're to imitate that. We've received mercy. Freely give, right? So the politics of heaven is not something that's easy to live. I'm not standing up here. Don't, don't. It's not for me. It's not for you. I don't want you to think that, you know, like I've got this all down, that actually loving my enemies and doing good to those who hate me and blessing those who curse me is, is something that comes naturally to me. It, it's, it's not. It's not easy for me, and I know it's not easy for you either. It's not like we just get up in the morning and we go, oh, I know what I'm going to do today. This feels great. I'm going to bless those who curse me. I'm going to turn the other cheek. That's what I'm going to do today. That sounds really good right? No, it's not easy. It's not easy. But, friends, there is grace for it. There is grace for it. If, in obedience to the Lord, we seek to do what He calls us to do, grace is there. And we, day by day, more and more become children of the Most High, is the way Luke talks about it. But if we give in to the politics of hell, of course, we end up going the other way, more and more children of the devil. So let's ask for the grace to live according to the way of the kingdom of heaven. And, 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 and I, I mean, I don't want to leave this kind of vague as we come into land and as we come into a finish here. I, I want to be really clear. So let me just say this pretty directly. You can vote for, you know, Labor or National. You can, you can vote for ACT or whoever. You can vote for whoever. You can be liberal. You can be conservative. Whatever you want to do. That's fine. You cannot hate. You cannot be mean. You cannot be unkind. As a follower of Jesus, 
you can be a kind Labour voter or a kind national voter, right? You can be a gracious and forgiving conservative and a gracious and forgiving liberal, right? You just can't be mean. You can't be hateful. You can't be resentful. You can't be retaliatory. You you have to be merciful as your Father is merciful. This is the way of Jesus, according to the way of the kingdom, the politics of the kingdom of heaven. So let's ask Jesus for that grace as we come to the Lord's table together. Do you agree that this is, this is how we're to live? This is, this, is, this is how we're called to be as followers of Jesus? So let's pray together. And we're going to do this a little bit differently. We're actually going to pray together as we come to prepare our hearts for the, for the Lord's table. And we're going to ask Jesus for that grace. And what I'd like to do is actually borrow the words, borrow a prayer from St. Francis. St. Francis was a pretty good dude. He lived at a time when there was huge amounts of hostility and political division and all of that, but he found that actually you could walk the way of love. And so from St. Francis, we get this prayer, and I'll invite you to pray with me. The words will be on the screen. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.